Will is with us here. Just first of all, my name is Pav Bryan. I am co-founder and performance director here at Spokes. I'm also Bikes Etc. magazine cycling guru. And I am delighted to bring you the first of what is going to be many, many uh, live and exclusive interviews with Spokes contributors, specialists, advisors. And today we have Will Newman, our uh, our lifestyle and wellness uh, specialist or advisor. Um, Will, how are you, mate? Um, why don't you let everybody um, know exactly who you are, what your background is, and why uh, you are with us at Spokes? Sure, yeah. So hi, everyone who's listening. Um, it's always nice and interesting to do something new like this. And uh, just, I guess I, I'm probably quite a good candidate for it because I like having in-depth discussions and dialogues and things. So hopefully I'm aptly interesting for everyone. I think when I mean for an MSc in applied exercise and health science, so it's a very holistic sort of uh, study that I've done. And my undergraduate was a lot more to do with performance and and science. And then my master's, of course, sort of a higher level science, but much more of a holistic approach. Um, so it was less to do with elite athletes, and more to do with clinical patients. So I've sort of studied everyone at the peak of their game and then people who are the most ill and perhaps have other sort of um, considerations that need to be taken into account. And um, I got into cycling when I was about 12 or 13. Um, my dad actually got plastic. And when I was like a 12, 13 year old boy, obviously you kind of, you're doing things like football and whatever you're doing at school. And then my dad started going out on his bike and he'd come back and, sort of tell tell me that they'd gone on these like 40 and 50 mile rides which I thought was such a crazy distance at the time and for some reason I said yes and I had one of those old Halfords bikes and we got like a mile up the road and I was absolutely ruined already and um but for some reason there was something really something to ha be had in that uh, experience of being really humbled and being in a really new environment with I don't know 30 40 year old men who were absolutely it was going really hard and um yeah I, I sort of stuck at that even though it was really really painful and difficult and um I think obviously that when when that was sort of happening it was like 2007 2009 so there wasn't uh, as much there was still all of the sports science knowledge but it might not have been really popular culture so we would just go out and do like 40 50 miles on low food and half a bottle and then just just bonk and have all these horrible experiences and and then as I sort of got more interested in it, um, um, as sort of, I don't know, puberty and things happened, I became a lot stronger and I, suddenly I was rocking them and they weren't rocking me. That was really exciting. Uh, and then, yeah, it just sort of kicked off. And then um, I think I was probably like 19 or something. And I was like, oh, I've been doing it for seven years, eight years now, and I've spent X amount of money on bikes. And um, then you realise that you're sort of in too deep. Um, and then I just... Uh, yeah, I started doing a little bit of racing and stuff. Nothing ever too competitive, but just sort of regionally. Um, and also uh, had an opportunity to ride at some of the university events, which are quite humbling because you've got people who are sponsored by these maiden brands and they're just going crazy fast and they might only be like 18, 19. Um, but yeah, and and uh, just sort of using my, my sort of sports science background to try and massage all I can out of my performance and just use everything I know to try and improve my performance as much as possible and then I think once I've 
I've sort of grown up a bit and become a bit more mature. I'm I'm not just you know living the student life and then living the cyclist life and that because they're not very compatible. I'm trying to be a bit more moderate in my approach and instead of always looking at what I can do to improve my performance, there's all these areas that we always sort of ignore, like recovery um, and all those sorts of processes. Because I think as cyclists, we spend so much time on trying to make every second count and every little ride count and we can get very obsessive about it but we might just as soon as the sort of cleats are off our feet we don't really think about it we're just like oh i'm back to being mean i don't know walking around and not really thinking about everything you can do to get everything out of yourself that's awesome thanks man so um just sort of like to come back to uh you being our lifestyle and well-being um consultant how did you get these more holistic ideas of well-being coming from a background that's really scientific? Yeah, so I think when I was a, uh, I'm 24 now, so when I was a bit younger, sort of 18, and I don't know, even even until I was 21, I guess I'm still learning it. I was very much just so scientific, and anything that wasn't in the doctrine of science, um, I'd sort of be quite dismissive of, and then only in my own experiences of um, illness and, and sort of experiencing long-term illness have I seen that there's a lot to be said for medicine and everything it can do but then there's also things that aren't suggested that you can find out yourself that might make your your health better and um, all these other practices which are very much sort of shunned but probably in the next 50 years we'll have a very integrative sort of medical care system that will have all of these what are now sort of quite not very well practiced ideas that will be actually what we'll go to straight away, you know. Um, and just that's, that's how I sort of got involved with it. Um, I don't think, hopefully within like the next 50 years, instead of us just being really, really stressed and being like, oh, I'll, I'll go out and have a drink or something, it will be a much more like, oh, I'll, I've obviously haven't been meditating enough or I haven't been out walking or just all these really fundamental things. Um, if you don't do them, they sound quite quack. Sort of hokey Sounds pokey like quack, doesn't it? Quack doctors. Quite. That's what it yeah, reminds me of. I, yeah. I totally agree with you there. It's it would be good to see a day where yeah. medicine is practiced proactively rather than reactively, um, and that can include, like you say, meditation and mindfulness and and really looking after yourself. So, I'm, I'm, from my point of view, it's actually a delight to have somebody who agrees like fully in lines with my my beliefs about uh, about where we should be going, not just in sort of uh sports but sort of health it's uh it's uh, really 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 good to to sort of have you well have you got anything um from your personal journey like you say you've been ill with a chronic illness and what what was the one thing for you that you did that maybe sparked that realization that medicine might not be the only thing that you need to be doing and of course there's a place for medicine in in everything and i'm not saying that we 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 should stop taking that but for you was there anything that you kind of that that was outside of the box like we were just saying that quack sort of theory theory stuff that made you believe that there was something else yeah i i think with me i sort of there were sort of medicinal treatments that i had at a time and it was very much what what happened was a very acute thing so um i was unwell for quite a short period of time it was quite intense and then the sort of ripples from that have lasted quite a long time ago. So that was like four or five years ago. And in that sort of um, acute process, I'm going to use the analogy of having like a, a bike crash because it's kind of similar. When you have the bike crash or whatever and you break your collarbone and they, they play your collarbone, 
you know, maybe three months afterwards it's done and then all medical care is kind of gone. Um, but there's none, there's nothing there for like, I'm, I'm scared of riding with cars or this happened and I'm worried. There's like all, all these things that aren't addressed. And for me, um, a lot of what I was sort of suffering with was something that was quite difficult to sort out and might take a while. So at first it was getting my nutrition right and just really fundamental things, nothing amazing, just like waking up at the same time every day, going to bed at the same time every day, eating the same things, eating the same time of day. Like these are not fundamental ideas, but we've sort of been doing them for thousands of years. But in the last 50 years, we've basically forgotten it. Like society's just forgotten that there's reasons why we do all these things. But yeah, and 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 just those sorts of things. And, and also just reflecting on my time away from cycling, you know, when you are actually cycling, if you haven't got a session and you're just doing something a bit more relaxing, you do get into, or I, I do, I think this very meditative place where you're not really being conscious, just that your body is more of a, an instrument you're using, like a tool. And it's quite, it's actually quite a nice um, sort of place. But yeah, I think a lot of the stuff with me, it's, it's stuff that maybe years ago I'd refute and wouldn't give much notice to because may, maybe it's not studied and backed up. But now, coming it coming to it on my own at my own time finding that some of these things can be actually really useful um and just use them as and when um but that's not something that's sort of taught it's something you have to kind of stumble on on your own if you know what i mean yeah it's very interesting i i think that one of the things you mentioned a few times meditating is something that i recommended or have been recommending for my clients to do for a, a very long time and if you if you're not familiar with it, if you've never done it, there is initially a pushback. Um, and up until recently, it's been pretty much just anecdotal evidence to support how meditation can actually play a role in physical well-being. In terms of if you if you actually meditate, you can physically be better. You can feel better. But now I think there's studies that they're doing to actually prove that. And I mean, it won't be long until we're like you say, where we're all kind of like rather than looking at meditation as sort of like uh, why what the heck are you doing it'll be like uh, why haven't i meditated today or i need to meditate more so it's it's, it's really refreshing yeah. to, sort of, to sort of hear that so um did you have anything else you wanted to add on on, on meditation yeah it's it's very much it's it's one of those sort of words that you just get a immediate reaction when you say that you think of a yoga mat someone sitting on the floor with their legs crossed, burning time and sage. And <laughs> it's, it's really not that at all. Basically described my wife. <laughs> yeah, it can be that. It depends what you want to do. You can make it a very spiritual experience and you can make it sort of really integrative or you can, you can keep it minimal. It really decide. It just depends how you want to do it. Um, I light a candle and I, I dim the lights and it's very, very nice. But some people, it might just be, they'll be on the bus and they'll focus on, the sound of the bustle, they focus on one thing at a time. So it can just be, and, and actually for beginners, it's very, very, very good idea to kind of just dip your toes in, you know, um, because we wouldn't say to someone who's never ridden a bike, do a hundred miles tomorrow, because it's just an unfathomable challenge. Um, but if you say, just focus on your breath, maybe for about a minute or two minutes and just really focus on how it feels in your body, it becomes very, very easy to do. And then you sort of build it up. And obviously there's, ancient practices in china where they they do it for six hours a day or something um you don't ever have to get to that stage but even 10 minutes a day can be really really you can just go from having a good day to or sorry having a bad day to a good day and it's kind of the same with a ride you'll 
you'll be quite stressed out. You'll go for your ride and you come back and be like, well, what was I worried about? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to just sort of add to that, the, the clients that have really bought into that, what I've introduced to meditating, again, I just suggest 10 minutes a day. And one of the things that they tell me most is, uh, you think about your sort of FTP, your functional threshold power test, a typical 20 minute, or even a 10 mile time trial or anything like that. The clients that really like to meditate and become practice mindfulness tend to report back that they don't find it any easier to complete an FTP test. It still hurts as much. They are more at tune with it and they're okay with it so it's it's not it's not going to make all of your pain go away but actually what it can do is it can it can make you at peace with it because you know what we have we have these emotions and feelings for a reason but actually what what this teaches us is is how to how to accept that so yeah it's it's really really good um um good points that you have there mate um, so let's move it on. I'd like to ask you a question about your nutrition or nutrition in terms of how you relate that to the spokes clients and, and the people on the course. So what, what other practices have you tried in the past to support health and well-being? Have you experimented much with diet and nutrition? Yeah, I think it's, it's such a individual sort of approach. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not against the sort of archetypes of science because I have science degrees. I love doing it. I love reading papers and stuff. But there's a lot of like quantitative data, so just numbers and, and that's how it is. And there's almost like a dogma that this is how everything should be. You've got your five a day, all these things. And of course, for whatever reason, I'm not dismissing it. That's the fundamental bit of advice we give that these things are really important. But if you sort of read a textbook or read a research paper, it's kind of just a snapshot in time. Um, so for me, um, I just, I sort of eat a, a similar way as I've, as I've always done it. And it's just a typical sort of cyclist diet, vegetables. And, um, I drink a lot of water, always getting in sort of four or five liters of water a day. Um, and, and just sort of, again, cliche, but listening to my body, um, when we didn't have technology and we didn't have everything written down and we couldn't just search things at our fingertips we also had less distractions so when when we felt sleepy we would sort of be like why is that and we we'd, we'd know a bit more about our bodies whereas now we're very very quick to ask outside questions and ask other people when really it's 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 quite useful to become in tune with what your body's telling you and and again that sort of that's a, a sort of nutritional aspect but that also relates back to training you know you might have you might have this session planned today and sometimes you do just need to sort of bite your lip and go through with it but sometimes your body will just say no you know you might find it insanely hard to get out of bed that morning um or just there's so there's so many things like i i if i was training really really hard sometimes um if i was at the end of like a four-week block i'd feel my glands getting all sort of swollen so not not that i had an infection or anything at the time but just there's just sort of a fatigue element um, and I could have just ignored that. But the times I did ignore it, that rest week, I got pretty ill. I had a cold or something. Yeah. So there's, there's these very subtle clues. And I think in some individuals, it's probably um, things we can't um, even tangibly find. But with others, it will be really expressed. So they'll be like, I'm really tired this week. And you can see it in like the Grand Tours where um, a rider will be in like amazing form. And the next day, they're literally like 10 minutes down the road and they just can't crack. <laughs> But the, the, the thing is, if they were training, they would do a recovery day that day, but they can't. They've got to do a mountain stage, and that's why we see them blow up. Um, so it, it can be really, really important to just sort of get an idea of what you're being told by, by your body at the end of the day. 
Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So for the people that are like watching now and for the people who will be listening later on the podcast, um, it, what would you say to say to everybody? What would be your number one tip in terms of um, identifying and maybe like starting to, to understand what's going on? Would you keep a diary or, or something like that? Yeah, you can you can sort of keep a diary. That's something I do sometimes. So I, I keep like a, I call it just a health diary. And at first I started writing it down. Um, but I found that a bit clunky just because we're always on our phones now. So I, I think you can get some stuff on Google. There's loads of different um, apps you can find. You just sort of write down maybe um, how much sleep you got. Or what I do is I just write down my mood and I write down sort of how I see and say. And if you do have an illness or something, you can write down your symptoms. Um, it can just be really easy to sort of correlate what you're doing. Um, I know we use Training Peaks quite a lot of all our clients. And the, the interface is, is just amazing on there because. Um, they recently added in the perceived exertion and how I felt today. Yeah. Um, and you can you can surprise yourself. So I've I've had my best performances, which is just insane. But I have I've had my best performances at the end of a four week block when all the smiley faces are unhappy faces <laughs> and all yeah. the perceived exertions are through the roof. I've done so. There's but there's no there's no scientific reason why I should be able to do that. But it's just being very open each day to how you do feel. Um, if you feel good, push it. If you don't, sort of take some time out. Um, but yeah, just just writing things down and sort of making that that correlation, yeah. seeing seeing over months or or years what what you can sort of find, and and you may even find that when you're tired, you might just wake up and be really a, in a bad mood, and noise, and you can't put your finger on why. Um, and we we kind of we've kind of become ignorant to the fact that our brains are trapped inside our head and we're connected to our body our body is going to do stuff whether we like it or not and being a bit more at one with the fact that it's all connected is it sounds easy but when you do sort of get more of an idea it can just be a lot better and you're, you're a lot more at peace with like oh why do i feel angry today or sad or why did i feel really good today was it because i didn't do something was it because i wrote really hard so you can just kind of make these these conclusions and it can be quite helpful i find yeah, absolutely. I mean, from uh, again to add in from sort of my years as coach, uh, as a coach, I I always recommend that we use as uh, uh, various different apps. I quite like at the moment HRV for training, and that sort of combines like a resting heart rate, or it's not really resting heart rate anymore; it's heart rate variability, uh, yeah. along with like a, a sort of subjective and uh, quantitative sort of. You can customize it where you put loads of different input in about what you've been eating, how hard your training was, and. And I think that if you're if you're consistent with doing that, then you can really build up a big picture about um, when you are feeling or performing best and worst. And just to go back to what you said about doing your best sort of uh, performance after a four week block, I had uh, I had a mate once who um, who did his uh, he PB'd on a twenty five mile time trial after going out and getting drunk the night before, and uh, a really fantastic story. But we won't we won't uh, we he, he never managed to repeat that. So I think that there are some anomalies that do happen. <laughs> yeah no i just i think it's 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 very easy to be you know think oh i'm oh, i'm not feeling it today but really you could be really you could be physically tired but mentally like actually i feel, feel okay and you just sort of, sort of go with it in that moment i think sometimes yeah yeah absolutely fantastic so uh moving it on i want to talk a little bit about uh illness and time off i'm sure the people that are in the audience um or um what listening later on the podcast have had some inevitable time off the bike either through an injury or um some sort of enforced layoff 
how do you cope with this? As I mean, have you got any personal experiences or have you got any advice? Um, what's your philosophy on this? Yeah, with, with um, the illness that I've experienced, I'll sort of have periods. It's nothing serious, but I'll, I'll have periods where I feel really good and I can get a lot done. And then I'll have periods where I can't. And when I was a lot younger, I found that very frustrating. Um, and it's, I, I, I've sort of grown to think of it as, you know, we do have things planned out. So we might have a coach and we've got all of the sessions that we're supposed to do. But it's kind of if we if we when we don't do what we're supposed to do in that day that we've told ourselves that we're going to do we kind of catastrophize very quickly um and it, and it's very hard to not do that because you think that you know if i don't do this session today i'm not going to um perform well or i might not win this race or i might not do as well as i want to um but that's just because so much of the science is is the emphasis on what we do you know and I think if you found people in the street and you said to them, um, you do know that you you get fitter when you're actually not doing exercise, but once you're recovering from the exercise, it would just be a fundamental, like it would be quite astonishing to a lot of people because it is quite counterintuitive. Um, so, you know, if you are in the middle of that, I don't know, three week block and you just, you know, a bit sniffly or you, you don't feel too well that day and you lose the last three days of the block, it might not be the worst thing in the world um and we sort of see a lot of questions from clients where it will be oh you know i miss this session should i do a session today and i kind of just i used to view it as this is the snapshot of what i've got to do today i'm going to go here i'm going to go to university i'm going to do this session and if it gets the media in the session i can't do it for me that's just there's a tick done with that and that that was yesterday and now i'm going to do today um these are all sort of windows of opportunity and the the truth is individual sessions are incredibly important but it's that sort of cumulative um that cumulative effort that you've done you know t tomorrow i am who i am what i did six weeks ago eight weeks ago last year you know, if you've been cycling for 10 years there's sort of changes there's genetic changes where you know Am I going to be de deconditioned tomorrow? No. And that's how we have these old boys in the, in the sort of cycling groups. Really old, you know, we, we've seen old men like 70 years old, they're on the steel bikes, but they can still put the hammer down. They've still got muscle. And inevitably, they've, they've, they've sort of missed weeks off and they've had weeks off. Um, there was a really good example. I can't remember his name. Um, as a cyclist who, um, he won the Commonwealth Games road race. But yeah, he, he, he'd broken his back like 10 weeks before. Um, we, we've just got so many examples, like Matt Heyman won Paris-Roubaix, um, and he was just doing rides on the turbo. So, I mean, I, obviously, he, he already he was been a pro cyclist for years, but it's, it's very easy to catastrophize, but really, it's, it's how, how it goes on the day and what you've done in the past, you know, one or two days is not the end of the world, and what, you just have to get a bit better at coming to terms with that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think if I remember rightly, um, Alex Dowsett broke his collarbone in the winter before him uh, breaking the hour record. And uh, I remember visiting him at the yeah. velodrome and uh, and seeing him. And uh, yeah, incredible guy, incredible sort of uh, determination to get there. And I think that that's 
that's what it is. I'd like to quickly ask you a question about how you think about end-of-season breaks because one of the things that I struggle with as a coach sometimes is convincing people that they do need that break between the end of one season and the beginning of preparation for the next season. And I usually, I usually quantify that to my clients by telling them that in all likelihood, at some point in the year, they will need a week or longer off depending on their load for the, from the previous season. And I always just tell them, would you rather have that week or longer at the end of your season when you're going to be able to start preparing for the next one or right before your ne- your big event of the next season because that's the likelihood isn't it if you don't allow yourself to recover in that off time you're going to carry through a lot of fatigue so maybe you've got some thoughts around that and maybe some of the viewers and listeners later could uh, have you got some tidbits for them yeah um i i sort of i found it very hard i used to be very obsessive and you know, I was like, I haven't, I haven't done 30 hours of exercise this, this month. Why not? Um, you know, some people that'd be a lot, some people it won't, it, it won't be, but I, I used to be very obsessive and, and I'd get, it would get to that sort of October, November time. And I knew I'd always book in sort of hill climbs and time trials and I'd miss a lot of them because I was just exhausted, but I'd still too, too psychologically exhausted as well. Um, when we put ourselves in that sort of pain cave, if you do a race, it's so psychologically exhausting. Maybe even more so. Like if you wake up in a bad mood that day, unless you're angry and you can channel that into a really strong physical performance, most of the time you, you can just talk yourself out of it really easily. Um, I, yeah, I always used to have sort of even like three or four weeks off. And a lot of us, um, we're not professional athletes. So it's very unlikely that we're just then going to be a potato for the next month. Like we're, we're probably going to be still doing yoga. We're probably still going to be walking around and, and being active. And, and again, a lot of people, um, they do just need that break and it can be very, very hard to convince people that that is what they need. Um, it must be really hard being like a professional cyclist because you, you, you sort of doing all these races all the time. The training loads have just been insanely high. Um, well over 1,500 TSF a week. Like, it is just insanely big. Um, there's me. I was like, oh, I've done a big week this week, and it'd be like 500. <laughs> so, it's, but yeah, it's, it's very – it must be hard for them because they are – that is what they do all the time. Sorry. That is what they do all the time. And being able to sort of convince them that that is – you know they need to have that time off to get to get better but a lot of them actually because they are professional they some of them overindulge and you know they sort of take six <laughs> weeks off seven weeks off and, too much um, nandos yeah you can tell he's had a very very because of some people just yeah getting spat out of the group um Absolutely. yeah i think it's an individual thing it's very it's very difficult to sort of you know blanket it yeah totally so we're definitely we're definitely going to have you back on um later in the year to reinforce that that illness and time off and breaks from the bike aren't the end of the world people um sometimes your mind and your body needs it i can tell you from my years racing that actually i think my mind used to go at the end of the season long before my body did my body was still wanting to go and my mind was telling me no um we're sort of getting towards the end of this i've got a couple more questions if we could squeeze them in i want to talk um uh, just talk about data for a second so we do have so much data nowadays about training racing and uh our sort of site physiological being 
how much of this is necessary for you? Um, are we forgetting the basics? Is there anything that you could summarize and give as key points to our listeners and viewers? Yeah, I think um, kind of around what we were saying earlier, if you're, if you're keeping a health diary or you've got a utility like Training Peaks, um, we've got so much data nowadays. We've got heart rate. We've um, obviously a lot of us now are quite lucky to have power meters. Um, and I think we'd probably be surprised probably quite a lot of people who do have that but we, we've still got these old sort of methods and they they're still there for a reason because they still work things like rpe um and you could just even write down how you felt on the ride that day but can you just, yeah for, can you just, for, for people that are listening um could you explain for you what rpe means just to, just in case there's people out there that aren't too sure yeah okay um so it's basically the the rating of perceived exertion so it was by this scientist called Borg um, and he basically had something called the Borg scale um, the one that's used now is sort of a bit different but the one that we kind of use all the time is sort of perceived exertion from one to ten so one might be just walking really really simple just resting and ten might be your maximal effort um, and it's just very easy to sort of a good way to tell a coach um, how you did so instead of having these metrics like intensity factor or training stress score we've just got okay so today was like a five out of ten effort um or if you did a 10 mile time trial it might be nine out of ten or ten out of ten um and it, it can just be a good way to sort of grade how you did that day and if you grade that against your mood um, and how, how you felt on the bike it can be quite useful because we do have so much of this you know um this physiological data probably within the 10, next 10 15 years there's a lot of patterns out at the moment for embedded lactate monitors so lactate probes that will be in a vessel and you'll get that on your computer it'll tell you what your lactate uh, measure is on the day so you can sort of know exactly how to pace it we've got all of these um but we we see all the time we see sort of professional cyclists who are at the top of their game they've got the entire sport staff it's happening all the time people are having to take kind of breaks and we see people not performing as they should and a lot of it is because we we have just become a bit ignorant to our body we're not listening to those sort of signals and signs that we're being given all the time um, we're always getting feedback and we might say oh today was awful because i don't know i just i didn't I, the power was there but i just didn't feel good and sometimes that can be a really useful indicator um and again stress we, we always think of stress as like a physiological thing so what did i do this week that there should all there should almost be a, a separate metric like life stress score so i had an argument this week it's this many points or work was bad this week because these things all impact on us but we only think about our our training what we've done we don't think about you know i've had the kids this week or just all these other factors yeah absolutely i completely agree and perhaps perhaps that scoring system there where we talk about um points based or, or some sort of thing in terms of how your day was and then maybe trying to minimize that this is the beginning of the the next generation of uh, uh sort of monitoring systems and um, we might have to trademark that at spokes um let's just finalize the last question i've got um it's going to relate to uh, your role within spokes what can your skills and experiences do for the for a potential client or a client at spokes and how can you uh, your perspective enlighten and empower them to consider their body in a holistic way yeah i i'm i've spoken a lot today about more qualitative things and and sort of concepts that are 
a bit more strange to science, you know, um, things that you can do support, to support your training. But um, in my undergraduate degree, for example, I did an aerodynamics dissertation that was quite useful. Um, and I'm very, very interested in science. Um, and I probably haven't reflected that because I've been talking about other things. But yeah, very much, I, I'm very interested in reading like the, the most recent research papers. Um, I'm currently doing a meta analysis for my uh, master's dissertation. But then also um, just trying to keep up to date on those on those new topics. So a really, really current topic at the moment is about the gut microbiome. So the bacteriums that you have in your um, your gastrointestinal system. And it sounds crazy, but the impact that that has on your exercise performance, the impact that that has on your sleep and the, the massive one at the moment, which is just it's definitely it's just going to be huge in the next sort of 10 15 years is the impact of that on your mental health on your stress levels um because again like i said earlier we we're basically this conscious head on a, a sort of fleshy body that we're at times especially with this technology we feel very distant from and a lot of what i try and do is you know use the physiological tools that we've got so power meters and um, if we've got access to blood lactate and things like that, but then also sort of reinforce those areas that we kind of ignore. So how well have you relaxed this week? Have you felt laid back at all? Um, and also just a really important role of being a coach is it is a lot about the stuff you do with cycling, but also allowing your clients to kind of tell you what's going on in their lives at the moment. You know, we might go on, we might go on training peaks and see that they haven't completed these sessions and might ask why but they might they might be reluctant to tell us why and sometimes if you just open up and and uh, and let let people know what's going on it can be a lot give a lot more context um, and then we might not be prescribing you know crazy sessions next week we might be giving it a bit more of a because you might be getting that stress from somewhere else in your life so it's just it's just having a really balanced idea we can set out these plans that are useful you know four week plans or whatever in advance but really just taking that day-by-day -day approach so how did i sleep last night did i get enough to eat um yeah and, and just just kind of trying to enlighten people to all these different areas um it can seem very overwhelming but just trying to simplify it as well so it's a bit more easy to sort of manage and understand i guess absolutely and yeah for anybody watching or uh listening later on the podcast will's uh, services come inclusive with our elite performance coaching package so uh you get him as well as five or six other specialists and advisors uh a part of part of that top level package as well as a spokes coach so uh, a really really complete package that spokes is offering so um I'm just going to open this up. There's only there's only a, a small number of um, people in the audience. If you have a question, feel free to quickly send that on the chat, or you can raise your hand right now because I'll be able to see it and I'll unmute you. Um, anybody got any questions for Will? Paul, wait one second. Let me just um. I I'm I'm there, Mr. Mr. Paul Vines. You have a question for Will. Well, you, you talked about some of these softer counselling type of skills that. Uh, coaches ought to be able to pick up or detect from the sort of uh, activity their clients are doing. I mean, surely there's going to be a need for coaches if they're taking that bigger responsibility to start acquiring counselling skills and all the sort of softer 
uh, if you like, holistic treatments and practices, um, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they've got quite a sort of burden uh, to actually take all that on. And I, and I guess they could take a little bit of it on uh, and understand it, but then need to be able to point uh, their clients in the right direction for specialists. Yeah, and it's it's kind of just um, just trying to challenge that um, the sort of stigma around you know doing things or getting help, and and maybe things can be a lot more manageable if we are going to our coach for a bit of advice and a bit of help and taking the load off. Because if we go to something really formal, uh, sort of um, formal like a counselor or a therapist, it seems very very serious. Whereas we can make it a bit more manageable for people. And then if they do need extra help, obviously signposting them in, in the right way. But we are, we're coaches, but then we also want to be friends and be quite approachable as well um, and have humility in our approach as well, I think. And do you think someone like British Cycling will start building that into the curriculum for coaches or is that just a step too far? No, I think they will. I think as well, they've got like podium um, programs where they take on young athletes and it's a, it's a cutthroat sport, so not everyone makes it. So there's, there's got to be some sort of catch system for really talented riders who might not make it in that environment, but it doesn't mean they're not any good. But yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, if we, we've trained for six months for a race and we don't win, it's very disappointing. But actually, what do we have involved where we can support people? Um, yeah, make it a bit more manageable for, for people as well. And it'd be nice to see that in the curriculum, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that I think probably one of the things we will see more of, especially from British Cycling, if you keep up with them in the news and the media and everything that goes around there, I think we probably will see uh, a lot more emphasis around mentality and, and everything like that. I, I think we're, while I have massive respect for sports psychologists and stuff like that, we're definitely definitely sort of having having to work closer with with a coach looking at to take that role on it's no longer it's no longer sort of applicable for the the tough love approach that coaches used to give and and stuff like that so it is it's an evolution in coaching style and I think that I mean as as sort of performance director here at Spokes I can assure like every one of our coaches would be more than capable of doing that but I can tell you as my many years of being in the industry not every coach out there in the world is uh, is able to sort of fathom that that might be the way to go so uh, I, I I can say that I think that like most things a coach that's open open to uh, learning new things would would meet this with 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 like I say open arms yeah definitely and there's just a, even even with with female athletes, it must be even more challenging because there's just this very archaic um, macho thing, um, you know. But re and really, we're seeing a lot. We're seeing that just sort of it's not very. It's kind of getting displaced now. It's not very useful anymore. So you've got really big athletes like Pete Kenyuk and people like that been at the pinnacle of the sport, and they're saying, "Look, I'm taking a break." Um, yeah. But, you know, all we all they hear probably from their performance directors is, you know, we need you to do this, 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 this. But we're not robots. We have all of the robotic devices. We've got power meters and things. But like I said, there's a there's a person behind our muscles. There's a person in our head. Um, and actually, the, the more serious you get with the cycling, the more the more pressure you feel from other people. Because um, at the end of the day, um, we, we've, we've sort of built ourselves to compete against other people. And the nature of that is quite tough, actually because you're not always the one with that your your hands in there and actually my experiences with illness I felt so much bliss from just going out 
like I go out with my dad without my Garmin on and just going out and seeing the world and things. And we need to remember why we got we got into it in the first place because a lot of people it would have started with you know just going out for nice rides with our mates and being social and that can be so important as well. Yeah, and I completely agree. And on that note, that epic note about enjoying cycling, we will call it a day. Um, I would like to thank you, Will, first of all, for uh, for first being a part of Spokes and for second giving up some of your uh, time on this Friday evening. Uh, also, thank everybody who is watching live and uh, everybody that is listening later on the podcast. Um, everybody, I'm going to call it right there. And uh, thank you for all for your time. Thank you, Will. And uh, thanks, everyone, for joining. Have an epic weekend, guys. Cheers.